Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, my friends, welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am very excited to introduce you all to Annie Schusler. She is a former therapist, well, a rebel therapist, if you will. She's a business coach and the host of the Rebel Therapist podcast. She helps therapists, healers, and coaches make an impact beyond a traditional private practice with her Rebel Therapist program. So Annie, you were and are a therapist, but it looks different now. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm technically still licensed, but I'm not practicing anymore as a psychotherapist. I closed my psychotherapy practice in the spring of 2020, Mm. not because of COVID. It was already planned, but what a time. Yeah. Um, And, but there's a way that because I was a therapist for 20 years, that I'll kind of always be a therapist and those skills and that way of thinking is still in there. (laughs) It's like, you can't take it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, so much. Yes. And so I was a teacher once upon a time and it's like, I am a teacher at heart. You're a therapist at heart. And I do think that we end up in careers and when they turn out to not be the thing, I think it's because it's what we knew that represented how we feel or, or the impact we want to have. And, and then we kind of arrive at like, okay, this isn't the whole thing. That's my own perception. But how did that story go for you to, you know, you started and 20 years is no short time. So you right, did that right. for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about how all of this got started. Yeah, I really, I am going to hold on to what you just said, because that's really helpful, actually thinking of it as it's not necessarily that we picked wrong, but it was part of how we needed to express what we're here to do. And then there's a chapter two. So I became a therapist over 20 years ago because I was always so fascinated by really deep conversations and by the kinds of conversations that you don't get to have all the time. (laughs) And I'm terrible at small talk and I am like drained by small talk, but fascinated by humans. And so the role of therapist was just so appealing to me. And I had and do still struggle with my own mental health. So I was in therapy from the time I was a kid. Um, So I definitely put in, you know, decades of being a client. And so that also really made me want to learn how to be a therapist for other people. So I did that for 20 years and about 10 years in, I also started my business as a business coach. And what was happening was I was starting to feel like, even though it was such important work and it was such meaningful work, it was starting to drain the hell out of me. And I was, even though I had achieved what I really thought I wanted and I had this full private practice and a wait list and I was helping high conflict couples, I had to be honest with myself that I was starting to burn out, that I was starting to dread showing up for work. 
I loved the clients and it was not their fault that I was feeling drained, but I was just noticing that I wasn't loving my work the way that I saw other people loving their work. And that was one of the signals to me when I would hear people talk about their work and they would kind of light up. And I was like, Ooh, I'm not feeling that way. I don't know if I should tell anyone. This voice in me was saying like, you're fascinated by business, like in growing my own business and in helping some of my friends with their businesses in a, just a, a casual personal way. I found that I was, I had this just kind of insatiable interest in business. And so helping therapists to build their businesses was just kind of like a very natural pivot. And so that's where I started was helping therapists build their private practices and figure out how to run their practices in a way that felt really good to them. And then from there, I started working with therapists who wanted to go beyond private practice. So kind of similar to what I've done. And so I've helped people build all kinds of different businesses and not just therapists anymore. So now I work with all kinds of healers to figure out what their path is that is not going to burn them out. I love all of that so much. And I, you know, it's so interesting how what I had originally said stuck out to you because even then therapy wasn't it. There's a chapter two is what you said. And that was so Mm -hmm. beautiful. And then there even became a chapter three of helping, yes, helping therapists grow, but then helping therapists grow other therapists. And I do think that it's really beautiful because of the evolution. There's always people getting started and there's always people, you know, five to 10 years into their work and 10 to 20 years into their work and then 30 years into the work. And, and that there's this natural guiding each other down the path sort of thing. And so I just appreciate the way that you shared that and the, and the way that it landed over here. And um, I wanted to say how much I relate and how much I imagine that our listeners might relate to like, spare me the small talk. Like I know that I am the exact same way. And I am very clear that part of loving my work is that we cut to the chase. Yes. Like we're, we get in a call. It's like, Hey, Hey, what's going on? You know, like the real stuff, the nitty gritty and getting somewhere with that, or at least going somewhere to explore. And man, I get it. I get it that it's, it can be draining and it's no client's fault that like that work is, you know, it's, it's an energetic exchange for sure. And we have a certain responsibility for that and how passionate we can really be or the way that we love the work that we do. So I'm so related to what you're sharing and how has that gone over the years especially since you closed your private practice, now you're helping people build. I kind of want to ask like, what does your life look like nowadays? Oh yeah, I'm loving my work. So I'm now one of those people who I used to be like, oh, that must be nice for them. Like I'm really loving my work and I'm a Capricorn. I always love to talk about like the nitty gritty. So stop me if I'm getting too nitty gritty, but like I work 20 hours a week now And if it's going up to like 25, then I know that I have some trimming to do. Not because I could work more, but I want to never head for burnout again. And I want to bring like my freshest, most energetic self to my work. And so then that means also having time to play the ukulele and also having time to play board games with my 12-year-old and you know go on dates with my spouse and and that kind of stuff. 
all the dancing that I do in the morning and all these different practices that also take time. Mm -hmm. So I work 20 hours and that brings me a lot of joy. And I work from home, which I know a lot of us do now. I, For me, that's a really nice fit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an introvert. So I get to really get like you, get in there, cut Mm -hmm. to the chase, work with people in this really deep way and in this really nitty gritty way, and then back out again. So for me, that's a really great way to exchange energy with folks that doesn't burn me out. I love that. And I appreciate the nitty gritty, like I'm working 20 hours a week. And I know if I hit 25 that I'm at this limit because even I was just asking myself as you answered that, like how many hours a week am I working? And I I don't know that right now. It's a, It'd yeah. be great to look because... I think for me, one of my like baseline questions is, am I getting enough rest or, you know, so I have these different touch points, but starting to look at hours per week might be something. So you're, I'm kind of just thinking out loud at this point. Like <laughs> I, I forgot I was in a podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing I do is I use a time tracking app, which I don't recommend for everybody. Like, I think that mm-hmm. would really irritate some people. I really love tracking my time so that I can then look at, because it's my most precious resource. Like, yeah, what am I using it on? What are the results I'm getting from that? Is there anything yes. I want to tweak? So I like look at it every month and I'm like, well, that was all pretty well spent. Or like, yeah, you didn't need to do 12 hours on admin this month. Like, so yeah. I'm always kind of reconfiguring it. Such a valuable statement. And, and I agree because not everybody, you know, if you have a tracking app, not everybody, that doesn't serve all learning styles. However, taking a look at your time budget and how you're actually spending it, because it's hilarious to me how a client will say, oh, I'm, I'm doing all the things or I'm trying all the things. And I'm like, well, let's actually look at that. Like if I were a fly on the wall of your life, or if I followed you around with a camera, a video recorder, would it look like your results literally match your effort or match your what you're up to? And so would it look like what you're saying it looks like, or are you experiencing it different than it actually is? Right. And so I think what you're saying just has so much value to that statement. I have a question around therapy. I'm thinking, I'm assuming it's therapist to client, but like, how often do you see that someone's perception of their reality is not rooted in their reality. You know, I I don't actually know where this question's going, to be honest. I'm flowing in that one. But because I think what I said about, oh, I'm trying all the things or my relationship is shit or, Mm. oh, my health is this way is like, it's, what would you say as a therapist to someone who's really struggling in their narrative or their story? Oh, yeah. I always feel like it's important to acknowledge the realities behind someone's reality. So like if someone is experiencing oppression, you know, whether that's racism or homophobia or, you know, whatever kind of oppression they're experiencing, like that is, it's so important to acknowledge the realness of it and, you know, to acknowledge the circumstances that we're all living with. Then there's also looking at in a really honest way, what is my relationship to my story? Like if I am, like, let's let's put it to the business example, or actually I really like your relationship example. Like this relationship is so crappy and this, this person won't do the things that a good partner should do. Like then looking at that 
reality and knowing like really all that we can do, whether it's in a therapy relationship or in a coaching relationship or just in our relationship with ourselves, really all we can do is look at our part of it and to take 100% responsibility for what we are putting in. And so that, I think that's the hardest thing to do in couples therapy. And it's probably also the hardest thing to do in our businesses where, you know, if you're having a story that like, I I did all the right things in my business, I picked the right niche, I'm, you know, I'm sending out a weekly newsletter, I'm whatever the things are that you're, that you're trying, I'm doing all the things and I'm not getting results. I would probably want to do the same thing that you were doing. Like if I followed you around with a camera, like what would I see? Like what is, because it doesn't really matter how much time you're putting in. What are the things you're actually, what are the brave things you're actually doing every day or every week? And sometimes we could get more done by just taking a small number of brave actions. We could actually get more accomplished than putting in a ton of time changing fonts or changing, you know, the colors on our website or, you know, perfecting that email. It's like, send out the damn email and then send out five more. Mm. And then, you know, let's see what happens. I love where that answer ended up because it specifically in the career side is like making the direct connection and making their direct invitation, right? Because we think that if we make this post or we send out this email, well, yeah, it's a mass send. So you're going to get little interaction, little direct interaction because you're not directly interacting. And then obviously it can be translated directly to relationship is this relationship is this way. My partner, like you said, is not doing what a good partner would do, or we're disconnected. Well, you're not making the direct request or the direct, like, and obviously that's a blanket statement, but something's missing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and if we looked at, if you were to speak directly to, you know, for me, an example in my own relationship is to say, what you said triggered me and I've been feeling that all day, or I've been thinking about that all day. And this is what I made it mean. And this is what I think you said, and this is how it made me feel. And walking that journey with him, with Tim is to like, now we're actually in a conversation that can cause a breakthrough instead of me, like you said, sitting in my own narrative or sitting in the reality that I generated about it is he's, he's an asshole. He said this mean thing and that's it. That's where it ends. And I pout and he's confused. And, and now the relationship is shit, right? Like fits my narrative instead Mm -hmm. of breaking through the direct connection. Is there anything for you or anything you'd like to add to that? I love it. I love it. Yeah sitting in that vulnerable spot of saying like, here's my truth. And like, here's what I want. And saying that in an open-hearted way. Yeah. And oh, wow. I love the way you said that because if we did that in business, here's what I want. And, and in an open-hearted way is like, I remember this crossover or like this breakthrough in my sales when I would be on a discovery call and I just straight up admitted, like it felt like admitting to that person, I would like to work with you, right? Like flat out, like you are my ideal client. You are someone I love working with. And I think we would be a great fit. What is, how does that sound to you? Instead of pitching or getting them to say yes to something is just saying like, this would be great. 
would you like to, you know, making a true invitation. And I genuinely felt like the quality of the clients, the quality of the connection, not the clients, but the quality of the connection and the sale and the program always, I mean, it it just spiraled upwards from there. Mm, Yeah. And I love like, I've heard you talk about sales calls before. I love your philosophy around this of just, you know, connecting, not manipulating, not pushing. I know that I learned some techniques for sales calls and I used to feel like, oh, like I'm good at so many parts of business, but I'm not good at this. And like, I I need to get better at it. And then I need to teach the people I work with how to do this better. And like, thank God I never did. I just figured out that it wasn't right for me that like having, I don't even really do sales calls, but if I do, like when someone signs up for my mastermind, if they've got questions, we'll chat, but it's not really a sales call. Um, And I know you work similarly where it's like, we're not going to go through that journey of let me push on your pain points. And then, you know, all that stuff that um, I really love this idea of just being vulnerable, just showing up and just trusting that you're going to have the conversation that you need to have. And like the way you're talking about it, you're really following your spirit and your connection to the other person instead of having... It's like there's a heart investment of, I think I'm meant to work with this person. I'd really like that to happen, but it's not an investment in this must have a certain outcome. This quote unquote sales call must have a certain outcome. Yes. I love, I just appreciate feeling seen in that. So thank you for the Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of the sales philosophy, because I literally love it. I could Mm -hmm. talk about it all day. I love coaching (laughs) people. (laughs) So, and I love, I can, I can appreciate how you said like, that's not where I took mine. That's not where I went with, with the work that I do. I'd love to hear, we would love to hear more about the work that you do. So what does it look like nowadays? Yes. Working 20 hours a week, but what does coaching with you look like that rebel philosophy? Yeah. So I really encourage people to build very simple businesses and very simple programs. Mm. And so we, I work with people over five weeks in small groups. And in those five weeks, I know this is going to sound kind of nuts, but over five weeks, they clarify their niche and then they create a pilot program for that niche and then they launch it. And the launching is basically letting everybody that they know, letting their community know about this offering in a really vulnerable, open-hearted way. And then at the same time, I give them strategies to build their audiences because clearly, even if you can fill a program once with people that you know and people who know about you and can refer you, you're not going to fill your programs forever that way. So I teach them a marketing strategy. So we work together over five weeks over Zoom and I give people some, you know, some lessons to do between calls. And then I also do, this is something that I didn't used to do, but I found it really effective for me and for them. We have asynchronous coaching between calls. So individual asynchronous coaching. So people submit a private question for me, and then I create a Loom video for them that's just directly answering their question or their their check-in with a little bit of coaching. And so for me, that works beautifully because I can time it when it works for me, when, you know, when my dog isn't barking and when I'm at my best and it works for them because it's really 
efficient. Like they get to ask the question they have at the moment they have it, even if it's at 2 a.m., and then they get my targeted response. So that's kind of how logistically how it all works. And there that's developed through I'm I think I counted that I'm on iteration 20 of this. So every time I run it, there's a little bit of a, a different approach, something that I've added or something that I've kind of optimized a little bit differently. And I love to geek out on that. But yeah, that's the basic process. I love how you said there was 20 iterations because people run one and they're like, that's it. It didn't work. Give it up, throw it out, burn it. Like, And uh, so thank you for reminding us that we must go again and we must go again and we must go again and again and again. And so thank you. And it is fascinating to me that it's a five-week program and you get all of that done in five weeks. I run lots of programs. And so I very specifically have an appreciation for the time frame that you mentioned what you do in. <laughs> very, very fascinating. And what, um, so you said therapists and healers and, and beyond. And I think it's an important conversation because I have shared this quite a bit in different ways, but there are too many gifted people not making any money being gifted. And I, what I mean by that is they are brilliant at their skill, but they are not brilliant in business. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like that who's currently struggling or how, you know, when someone shows up like that in your program, what would, how do we start with them? Sometimes what's going on. So there's, there's different issues, but one thing that happens a lot is that someone comes in, they're brilliant, they're gifted, like you said, and they have a, just an abundance of ideas. There's so many ways that they could use their gifts that it kind of has them stuck. <laughs> There's yes. so many things they could create and that they've yes. dreamed up that they're creating very little because they're stuck on making a decision. So that's one thing is really reassuring people that this is dating, it's not marriage. Like you're gonna pick a particular niche, you're gonna you're gonna pick a particular way to walk people through a transformation and you're going to run an experiment with it and see how it feels, see whether you get participants, what comes up. And then part of the experiment is seeing, you know, does money show up? Does it quote unquote work? And then part of it is looking at your own kind of joy metric, as Thea Monier would say, like looking at, did this bring me joy? What part of it brought me joy? What part of it felt draining? And then I just love to reassure people that this is just one iteration. This is one experiment and they're going to be doing it again. And that's why we do it over five weeks is because I want people to like, I don't want to use the word fail, but yeah, like I want them to fail fast if they're going to fail with a pilot. Um, And it's not a failure because it just means they're going to do another iteration, which may be with a different niche or it may be with different marketing. And it, it gives them a chance to keep that ball rolling. So yeah, I do think a lot of gifted people um, have a hard time getting something imperfect out there quickly. I love that. I love that. And um, question about that is, do will people then join multiple... Um, do that five-week course multiple times to try out a new niche? Is that how that'll work? No. Well, so they can do that on their own. Once they have the process and the material, they sometimes do go back through it 
and like, all right, I want to tweak this thing and do it differently. I have a mastermind program for people who want to continue with me after the five weeks and reiterate, do round two, round three. And sometimes they end up changing niches in that process too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I really love that. And I am big on failing fast and failing forward because I can't tell you how many $0 launches I've had that it's just a matter of clarifying, solidifying, you know, rectifying, (laughs) whatever it might be, and going at it again. So I just really appreciate that because much of my business has been about putting an imperfect product out there because if I waited for it to be perfect, I'd still be waiting. Yeah. How can you get it perfect when it's really created in relationship, right? It's exactly. I, in fact, I was just celebrating with a client. There's every client is where they are and go where they're ready to go. But it's especially fun when a client does launch during our work together, Mm -hmm. instead of getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready. Part of my coaching is to break that getting ready habit. And so um, it's particularly fun when they launch and get the sale and have the client and I can actually coach them through their client too, you know? So that's always particularly fun. (laughs) Yes. That's part of why I think you just helped me clarify something. That's part of why I always encourage people to consider starting with a one-on-one offer, even if they know they want to move away from one-on-one work pretty mm-hmm. soon, mm-hmm. because I want to get to see it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you create, <laughs> if you create something for one person, I can be pretty damn sure you're going to get your investment back and you're going to like that you paid for my program, then you're going to get to iterate again. And like, like you, I like to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really rewarding. And then there's also like the celebration factor, like that Mm -hmm. person being able to be seen. And another piece of that is what you said about the program is created in relationship. Mm -hmm. You might think you've generated the most perfect, beautiful, pristine program, and then you put it in the water and it sinks. Yeah. And because the client, it's like herding cats. It's like, you don't know what, who will, what will need, will wear and at what pace. And so you might have a framework and that's wonderful. I have lots of frameworks. I love frameworks. And sometimes we do have to scrap it or sometimes it's going to go out of order. And so I think there's nothing like applying it in real time with a real person. It's, it's beautiful to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, um, so you've been applying this real time and it's been really great to be with you in real time. And, um, as we start to wrap this up, I wanted to ask one more question about what you personally had to give up to create this life that you've created. I mean, it's, it's so funny, Abigail, because now it's coming back, but I had to give up other people understanding what the hell I was doing with my job. And with my career. So when I told people that I was a therapist in private practice, that made sense to them. And then we could move on with our conversation. But being a a business coach with a very specific niche, that doesn't make as much sense to people. And that sounds so trivial now, like now that I'm making really good money and everything's flowing. But before it was really floating... Like you know, like you were talking about that that metaphor before it was really floating, that was scary. And so a sense of just identity, like giving up an identity as a as a thriving psychotherapist was something I had to be willing to do. And being willing to 
give up other people understanding my vision. Yeah, it can be scary and it's it's really beautiful in the long term is what I, I really want to say that I, I'm all about quantum success and, you know, like all that fun stuff. It's sexy, but there is something about sustainable commitment that makes sustainable success. And, and that your vision in your head is sometimes it just can't be articulated all the time. We have to just continuously manifest it and people will witness it once it's once it has manifested, but at the same time there, you don't have to convince people to understand, or you don't have to explain it to the, into the ground. And so I think that if we, as long as we can hold the vision, then people will be able to see it, but they can't visualize with us, you know, not all the time, especially someone maybe not on the plane. (laughs) I also feel like sometimes toward the beginning, I was kind of crowdsourcing things that I needed to any source. Like I was looking for approval or I was looking for understanding of what I was building as kind of votes for, yes, that sounds like a good idea. Even if I didn't realize I was doing that. And that is not the way to, you know, to step towards your dream, like crowdsourcing and and making sure everybody else is on board. No, because maybe they, maybe some of those folks actually need you to step into it. And that's going to create what they need next. Like being able to see, all right, like if someone's asking me, if another therapist, let's say is asking me like, well, isn't coaching kind of like a cheesy thing to do? And I could take that as like, I don't like this person anymore and they're hurting my feelings and I need them to approve of what I'm doing. But another way to look at that is if I say like, oh, I have a really different experience. I'm really excited about what I'm creating. That may have actually opened a door for them too. So instead of crowdsourcing, I needed to give that up and stand in being brave. Such a brilliant awareness because you said, I don't, I didn't even know I was doing it or I was doing it so subtly, right? That Mm -hmm. we're all doing that. We're all looking for agreement. We're collecting people on our side. Like, you know, however you want to word that and gathering agreement and gathering the momentum, which is natural and healthy and a part of it. And it can't, if it can validate you, it can invalidate you. Mm -hmm. So the collection of it validates us. And we're like, okay, good. I'm going to do this. But if there, if you don't have that, that doesn't mean it's not a valid option. It doesn't mean it's not a valid idea. It means that people can't get on board yet. And that really has nothing to do with the execution of the process (laughs) or the manifestation of the idea. And so I just really love that awareness because we can go forth. And I, I also, I am big on asking people, like, if you didn't get paid doing this for the next three to five years, would you still do it? Because the validation of results, we we wait for the validation of results to continue or to, to start or to continue. And that's not an appropriate measurement of what you're doing really. And because, um, sometimes it will take years of commitment and dedication and and energetic deposits to have momentum and start making withdrawals on that. (laughs) And so, um, I so appreciate your time and your brilliance and for you sharing the work that you're doing in the world and how can our listeners find you in the world? Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, I love what you just said (laughs) and that like, if you're going towards something that you really love geeking out on, that's going to give you the legs to take you through that time, whether it's six months or three years or whatever it is. So thank you. Thank you for 
all the gems. Okay. So you can, if you're listening to this and you're like, all right, I want to check that out. I'm at rebeltherapist.me and I have a podcast called Rebel Therapist where I interview people who have created these businesses. I love it. I love it. I can actually think of a few therapists. Um, I've worked with a few who have recreated their business outside of private practice or um, working for other practices. And so it's really cool. I love what you're up to and what you're making possible and available in the world. Thank you so much, Abigail. Thank you. And hearts, thank you. I hope this was a great therapy session for you. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.